0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: We need to be careful, first of all, of our comparing that person with someone else. The Bible says in Scripture clearly it's unwise. And then secondly, that we wouldn't condemn the other person. When you condemn another person, you are chipping away at that other person instead of building them up, and the very thing you want is that person to be better. But unfortunately, subtly, Satan has got us to believe his lie in the secular worldview, and we chiseled them away from the very strength we wanted that person to have. All right, here's the third word, and it's the word contradicting. Contradicting. How do you like to be interrupted in the middle of you speaking when you say something and someone's got to correct you? It's painful when they do it privately, but it's horrifically painful when they do it publicly, when they're correcting you, contradicting you. James says, if you're wise, you don't sweat the small stuff, just let it go. You don't have to correct them on every little thing. Now, obviously, if your husband is looking out at the surf over here and he's driving off the cliff over there, you're going to say, hey, get that car back on the road, you know. But most of the times, most conversations and most days does not need that. Sometimes it's time for us to sprinkle a little bit of grace on that. So let's not be so contradicting. You know, Thursday when we went to the store, no, it was Friday. Remember when I wore that green dress? No, you wore slacks. Read my lips. That gets old real fast. If you agree, say uh-huh. Why is it the ladies that always are the loudest, you know? So guys, maybe it's because we do that. All right, so number one, we want to make sure that we check our integrity. And that's a hard thing, not sin management. Uh, Secondly, we want to talk about how we add value to other people and be sure that we don't poke them and we bring out the anger. And then when they get angry, we point our finger back at them for their anger. And it might have just been us that scratched them first. All right, let's look at number three. If I am wise, I won't minimize your feelings. I won't minimize your feelings. But the wisdom that is from above is gentle. Gentle. One translator wisely translated it, consider it. So it is gentle, but it's gentle based on an attitude of love. I I consider your feelings. I consider who you are. It means mindful of the other person's feelings. There's a common mistake that if I don't feel the way you feel, then your feelings must be invalid or illogical. I, I went by that. That's pretty heavy. Let me slow down. If I don't feel what you feel, then that must mean that your feelings are invalid and illogical. Now, that's how the world thinks, and that's how some of us can think. But we need to be very, very careful that sometimes the same person might feel about something a little bit differently than you do. They might see things from another perspective than you might see it. So it might be good for us to talk about it a little bit. Here in Hawaii, we call it Ho'oponopono a little bit of forgiveness, a little bit of time to sit down and talk and let the person explain when did you get hurt and how did it happen and how do you see the situation and what was going on at the time and what was involved, I promise you, that takes a lot of time, doesn't it? And our life is so fast, we don't do it. So, therefore, we don't take the time and our relationships really suffer because of it because we're running to the next event with our kids the next movie or playing catch up to something that was so trivial that got behind that we never had the time, watch this, to really know the people around us, really know them, consider them, what makes them tick and ticked, to really get to know them. Look at Proverbs 15 verse 4, it says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, that means it lasts long and there's multiple generations, But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. So we have to be very careful of how we deal with them. Think about their feelings. Maybe I could set up a scenario for you. Let's talk about the husband comes home. And as he arrives at the house, he comes in and he says, Oh, my day was just horrible today. My boss didn't like me, the traffic was bad, the air conditioning quit on the car. Now, I'm not talking about guys you can't whine. Wives, you'd be wise to let your husband unload on you than some other lady. Yes. On the other hand, then the wife comes back and then she says, You don't know about my day. Our son just took the cat and tried to flush it in the commode and now it doesn't work over here. All of a sudden, everybody is complaining about everybody else and not really considerate. If you don't mind, gentlemen, I'm going to speak to us guys for a second. I know that when we get married, our wives should be our helpmate, and we look to them for our our physical support, our emotional support. But biblically, the Bible equates us to Jesus Christ, not the church. And Jesus Christ took the highest road. And he said that he gave himself up for the church. So whatever bad day he had... He gave all that up and took it on Himself so that He then can come to us as the church in our bad day. Watch this. Not just, oh, it's so bad. You had sin in your life and look what had happened. No, sorry. He took all our sin amidst all of His problems. He took all on Himself and He died and rose again. So we husbands and you boys that are here, God made you a boy. Someday it's likely that you'll be married. And even if you're not, in some measure, you'll probably be a leader of influence, then like Christ, no matter how bad your day is, don't deny it, but you be the one to take the highest road. Take that problem to the Lord right then. Say, Lord, I'm giving you my day. Frankly, Lord, you permitted this in my day so that I could go to you for more strength, grace, wisdom, compassion, and the ability to see you do wonderful things in my attitude doesn't change my day, but it changes me from the inside out so that my tank is filled so when I then drive in to my house, then my kids are going to talk about their broken toys and their relationships that are suffering and my wife is really hurting for whatever reason that I'm there to be the one who can take that on me. Now guys, I know you're saying, I didn't sign up for this. I know you didn't. But I don't think there's any more intimate relationship that a human being could have than you as a man could have with the Lord knowing that you're the most like Christ when you're doing that. And so we don't want to minimize the feelings of the people that are around them. Sometimes in counseling, I use this phrase, husband and wife. The wife is saying what she's saying. The reality of it, the real reality of it, might not be true. But because she's saying this, and she's saying it from the depths of her heart, it is true to her. It's like if someone said, "Oh, there are Indians in the parking lot, and they've all got their bows and arrows aimed at us. Now I could tell that woman, You dummy, there's no Indian, we don't live in that age and all of that. For that moment, it's time for me to power down. And at that moment, perception is reality to her. And she needs to know, watch this, before I can redirect, clarify, or help her thinking, she needs to know that I am on her team. That I fully, as much as I can, at least try to understand. That's wisdom, wisdom and understanding, we read about that her. So that now she's ready to say, I'm not alone. And now encouragement is helping her see her situation from God's perspective. Now I did that in a marital thing. We got a lot of single people in here. You can do it with a roommate, you can do it with a friend, you can do it with other people here at church, but that's how we do it. We won't minimize another person's feelings. Alright, let's go to number four. If I am wise and wanting to build healthy relationships, I won't criticize your decisions or your suggestions. I won't criticize your decisions and your suggestions. It says, but the wisdom that is from above is willing to yield. Now, we hear a lot about yielding your spirit and all of that, which is biblical. But if I could put that into working words, it would be, I'm yielding to your decision. At least willing to genuinely listen to your decision. I want to hear your suggestion as well. A wise person can learn from anybody. He's not defensive. I don't know, but it just seems that in some measure, the Lord has allowed me to have effectiveness with youth. I don't know why, because I don't shuck and jive a lot with kids. I don't know all their language. If they were to text me the way they text their friends, I probably couldn't even understand what they're writing. Okay, Whatever it is, I just don't. But somehow, I can connect to them. I think what has happened is way back, somehow, when I was much younger in my ministry, I mean much younger, like 18 I went to a youth group. And my youth group had a youth pastor that was in my opinion, 17 opinion, what's it worth? I thought he was pretty much out to lunch. He didn't connect, his leadership skills weren't strong. He had integrity and all that, but somehow he did not exude genuine compassion for the kids. So, while he was teaching, I took notes from his sermon. When he was rambling, which was often, In my opinion, I would write down what I would not do from this man. There was a few things I would do, but very little. It wasn't long before that man came to me and said, I don't want to do this Bible study. I'm not connecting. Would you take over this youth Bible study? I was 18, never did this before. And I said, you bet. Now, I took it on with a lot of faith and a whole lot of ignorance. When I then came, I asked one of the best speakers at our Bible college to come and sit in the back for a month and critique my communication, because there's a lot of difference between speaking well and communicating. You can be a great speaker, people remember the speaker, a communicator will remember his message. And I wanted him to critique me after the youth group was over, we played with the kids, we had a good time, we interacted, brought the kids home, we'd go meet. And then I'd say, okay, tell me how to cow the cabbage. And he really helped me. But I'm going to tell you, I was so grateful for that person who came into my life to help me. So to do this, folks, you have to be open to another person's suggestions and sometimes their decisions if it's going to add value to your life. I've taken some liberty here by going to the RSV and the Living Bible. These are basically paraphrases and and all, but I think just hearing it again from another version might help you a little bit. That phrase here talks about, are you open to reason? Or if you are, a wise person will allow discussion. So I'm going to ask you a question, my dear friends. Are you a reasonable person? Can your kids reason with you? Will you sit down and listen to them to explain to you their world from their perspective when they speak to you? I hope you can. Maybe it's time to tell you a little story about a new pastor who just came to church. This one pastor preached his message, and when he was done, there was a man who came up afterwards and said, you know what, pastor, that message stunk. It was pathetic. It was horrible. And the pastor, wanting to be very open, said, well, please tell me, what, what, what about my message that wasn't really good? He said, well, first of all, you read your message. Secondly, you don't read very good. And thirdly, that message wasn't even worth reading. And so this poor guy, you know, the pastor was down. I could feel his pain right now just giving you this illustration. Another guy came up after him and said this. Listen, don't worry about old Jim. Don't worry about him. He's just repeating what everybody else is thinking of you. All right. My, my point is sometimes we have to be open to criticism. All right. Let me move on to this. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is. There's our operative word. He who heeds counsel is what? wise. Let's go to the the fifth one here, five out of six. This is a wisdom test we're taking to help us so that we'll take ownership of our own world to hopefully and probably will have better relations with other people. So if I'm wise, I won't emphasize your mistakes. But the wisdom that is from above is full of mercy and good fruits. I'm going to tell you how important it is that we don't try to read back to that other person all of their mistakes. Grace is giving them something they don't deserve. Mercy is not giving something to them that they do deserve. Maybe at that moment, they probably could be criticized. It could be that they have problems. It could be that really the, the issue with the relational breakdown is more at this time with them than it is with you. Now, it doesn't mean you deny it, but it does mean this. Are you ready for this? You have not been given permission yet to speak to them about that. So at this stage, you want to earn the right. And I find that in Scripture, we earn the right by administering grace, and in this verse, mercy to the other person, hoping that soon that you would be given permission to compassionately, clearly, correctly and kindly communicate something into that person's life that might help you come together in a better relationship. Here's something that I've said to you often. In John, it says that the law, which we all like to give to other people, the law, the law came by Moses. The rest of the verse says, but grace and truth came by Christ. That concept of grace and truth is found in the Old Testament often with mercy and truth. But what is most frequent is grace, mercy always comes before truth. And so if it's with Christ, and Christ is in me, the hope of glory, then to build a relationship to you, it's not about me reading you the law act. It's me giving you the grace act, the mercy act. So I'm not going to emphasize your mistakes. Look at Proverbs 17.9. It says, He who covers a transgression seeks love. he who repeats a matter separates friends. Let me give you number six, shall we? This is the sixth of how I can get along better with others. I would be wise. It says, I won't disguise my own weaknesses. You know, you're going to find people that have relational breakdowns with others is because they're the ones often with the pride. It goes on to say, but the wisdom that is from above is without partiality without hypocrisy that means that you're a genuine individual with a tremendous amount of humility look if you will at proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 it says he who covers his sins will not prosper but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy earlier in the message i brought to you the responsibility of taking ownership of it going to the lord getting the forgiveness And then making a commitment to forsake whatever that is that you're doing that's hindering that relationship from being all that it could be. Would you put a star by Proverbs 28, 13 for a moment? Because what I'm going to suggest to you, and I'm saying this, if I could wrap my arms around you and give you the biggest aloha love hug I could. I'd like you to take the six principles from James that we've learned together as a family here today. And if there's any area that you're sensing in your humility, in your willingness to admit, I'm weak in this area. If you sense that, then don't live there in guilt. Go to Proverbs 28 and quickly confess that to the Lord, allow Him to grace you, and then by His power to begin to forgive you. I'm going to tell you that's the kind of great God and Savior that we have. If you will, look at the last verse on the bottom of your page, Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. Remember, it's not you reading all these books on how to get along better with others. It is about you embracing a biblical worldview, and to do that, we know that the epicenter of healthier relationships is going to be found in wisdom, and wisdom is found in Christ, and Christ is found in you if you've trusted Christ. Would you all read out loud together with me Colossians 2, verse 3? The secret is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all treasures of wisdom. Now for you guests that are here, I want to show you this illustration. Let my right hand represent you and me, and let my wallet represent sin. This sin in today's message would be any time we have hindered another relationship because we have not lived out what we've learned here. We have sinned by nature and by choice. We're sinners. The Bible says that to go to heaven, we have to be sinless and perfect, and you are smart enough to know that we're not. Religions now will tell you, okay, you can't be perfect, but you can be good, so now live a better life. Turn over a new leaf. Clean yourself up. Get water baptized. Join a church. Stop this. Start that. The problem is good deeds never will get you righteous enough to go to heaven. Letting my left hand represent God who took on flesh, and here we are with our sinfulness, and the parts and bad relationships that we have caused. And all the other sins. Here we are with our sins. Separated from Christ. Separated from heaven. This is Christ. This is you and me with our sin. But God. Says I love you. But I hate your sin. So I'm going to take all your sin on myself. I'm going to die and rise again from the dead. So your sin was paid for by my blood, death and resurrection. Now all you can do to go to, go to heaven. Is to place your faith in me. Not just believe that I am God, not just believe that I died and rose again, but believe and trust me as the one who will forgive you of all your sin based on what I've done. So you place your faith in me and then what I'll do is I'll forgive you and I will give you my perfection so that when you die I don't see your imperfection, I see my son's perfection. You won't perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved you, He gave His Son, that whoever you are, would believe in Him, you wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life." That is the ultimate do-over, first with a relationship with Him, and now with the power and the wisdom to have a relationship better with others. Let's pray, shall we? You're not here by accident. Whether you know it or not, God brought you here at this strategic time so you would hear this message. I believe that. I know that. Now how that happens and how that's worked out in your world, that's between you and the Lord right now. But I promise you that you have been given all that's necessary to help you begin a road toward better relationships. First of all, your relationship with God. God loved you, so therefore he sent his son to die, rose again to pay your way to heaven by his blood. You heard the message that all you need to do is to place your faith in Christ to have eternal life. He is now reminding you of your sin and your absolute necessity to trust in Christ. And nothing you do yourself will help you. He lovingly tells you that you don't have to know it all to go to heaven, but do need to know that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and that Christ will save you when you place your faith in Him alone. Now, that's your part. I pray you call upon Him in your heart, and trust Him as your Savior. Praying doesn't save you, but there is that acknowledgement with Him that you're trusting Christ. Let Him know that. Once you've done that, and the rest of us who already have done that, He is now expecting us to begin a road toward better relationships with others. So who do you need to start with first? May I suggest you start with yourself. What do you need to do to take ownership of where you have failed? Humble yourself beneath the mighty hand of God. And He will exalt you in due time by His grace. He'll give you a do-over. And then secondly, who do you need to go to to ask their forgiveness that you need to work on something? Now, whether or not they forgive you, that's between them and their own conscience and ability and whatever. But if you genuinely and you humbly go to them and ask for forgiveness with the same, perhaps, brokenness with which you broke them, By your sin. They're more apt now to genuinely forgive you. And then when they do, remember Proverbs 28. It is with the intention by his power to forsake whatever it was that was breaking that relationship on your side. Whether it's at home with your mate, your kids, your parents, your siblings, fellow people at work, neighbors, extended family, clubs, teams, sports, people in the church even. I promise you when you do, there's something inside of you that God now begins to heal. In a certain measure, you'll begin to feel it. So is there anyone in here today that would say, Pastor, pray for me because I did at the front end. I trusted Christ as my Savior today, and I know now on God's Word, I will have eternal life, and I'm going to heaven. In fact, me praying for you won't even get you into heaven. It's just you acknowledging that you trusted Christ today, and you want me to pray for you. That's all. Pastor, I am trusting Christ today for the forgiveness of my sin and now I know I'm going to heaven. Anyone else? Thank you. How many of you would like to have prayer because God spoke to you about the need for better relations with other people and your responsibility to at least clean your house, your house, your world. And you'd like to have prayer right now. And it's not, me praying for it is not going to give you any magical power. It's just, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. And I love you, but I am praying for you. Is there anyone in here today that would like to have me to pray for them? Because they are going to take what they've learned today by the power of the Spirit of God. Begin to do this regardless, regardless of whether or not you get the intended results with the other person. You'll know that you've done the best you knew how from what God told you. And you'd like for me to pray for you. We all need this. Our gracious Heavenly Father... We may be sitting down on the outside, but in our hearts we are broken and fallen before you in your holiness. And we thank you for your grace and your mercy that you've given to us and the truth to help us, at least from our perspective, intentionally have a better relationship with others. Lord, we do want to have a better relationship with others because that helps us in our relationship with you. In addition to that, when we have a relationship better with others, then we can help them come to faith in Christ or help to disciple them. Or if as a parent, we now can help our kids to grow on, to become more fully obedient worshipers of you. It helps everything. And so help us, Father, to embrace these truths for ourselves, so we truly then can add value to others. And in the name of Christ and for your glory, we pray this. Amen.